Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. Guys, I have loved my mini break from podcasting, but I am so excited to be back. I am so excited to share this awesome conversation with the women behind She Works His Way, Michelle and Summer. It is a great conversation. And since I've been gone, I have actually been pouring some of my time and energy into the faith-based mentoring membership that I have started called Mama Get Your Life Back. It's been up and running for two months and guys, the feedback has been incredible. So just to give you a little bit of a lowdown in case you don't know what I'm talking about, inside Mama Get Your Life Back, there is a content library where you get to go at your own pace. Everything is short and sweet and really it's it's up to you what you want to focus on. So we have things like helping you rest. That is something that so many moms can struggle with. How do we figure out actually what do we like to do? What What is restful to us? How do we give ourselves permission to rest? How do we figure out how to manage the kids so that we can rest well, as well as vision for your life, vision for your motherhood, vision for your family, values, kind of figuring out who who are you? Who has God uniquely created you to be? And also your family. How do you want to intentionally lead your family? So we have lots of great stuff in the content library. And then once a month, we get together on Zoom and we just talk about things that are relevant to where we are right now and just offer encouragement, speaking life and truth over each of these moms. And once a month, we have a guest coach come in. And these guest coaches have been incredible women, women who love Jesus, women who are seasoned moms. They've been doing this thing for a while and they just come on and speak life and truth over us. So if you're not in the Mama Get Your Life Back community, what are you waiting for? I'm going to post the link in the show notes, but also you can find out more um, at my new website, JacquelineWidener.com under courses. There's a frequently asked questions page Uh, right under Mama Get Your Life Back. So that's Jacqueline Widener, J-A-C-L-Y-N-W-E-I-D-N-E-R.com. Now I'm excited to introduce you to Michelle and Summer, the women behind She Works His Way. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm sitting here with Michelle Myers and Summer Phoebus. They are moms, wives, ministry and business partners. They have a lot of things on the go And um, they just released a book called She Works His Way, a practical guide for doing what matters most in a get things done world. And we have just been sitting here. And um, first of all, did you guys plan? Did you guys plan the hats? No, that's I was when I first hopped on, I was like, oh, yeah, hat day for us. Would it? We're recording this on a Thursday. So that's appropriate. Like we're done washing our hair at this point. 
Well, I am sad that I missed the memo. So oh, we'll let you know next time. Yes. Summer like, Michelle are both wearing hats. So that would have made my life easier. Um, but I want to dive in to this book, but also just this ministry. Um, so Michelle, why don't you just tell me what is She Works His Way? How did it get started? So we were four friends who were all working women and we started to all talk about the tension that we felt between our walk with the Lord and a lot of the stuff that was associated with our professional life. So there was this tension that we couldn't quite put our finger on that just felt like, cause you know, culture has blatant lies mm -hmm. and then there's other lies that are well-dressed, socially acceptable, and they're harder to navigate because they're not a blatant lie. They're like a twisted half truth. Yeah. Those were the ones that we felt the tension about. And so we wanted to start having conversations with each other about them. So we started meeting at five o'clock in the morning because it was the only time that we were all four available wow. once a week, not every day, once a week on Google Hangout. Do you remember Google Hangout pre-Zoom? Oh no, I was not even to any technology back then. So it was the way that we could be on like this yeah. on video and see each yeah. other all at one time. And the same reason why we started is the same reason why it exists today. And so we met once a week for about a year and a half. And after that time, we always joke and say that they bullied me into starting an Instagram account. But truthfully, we all felt called that more women needed to have this conversation. Yeah. And so we started an Instagram account and I think we were all blown away by how hungry women were for this conversation. Yeah. They all felt that tension too. And they wanted a place to be able to talk about it. And so we were an Instagram account only for about a year. And I always say that we just followed the needs of the women that God has gathered here. And that has been our ministry strategy for the last eight years is what are the needs who's here and what can we do to meet them? And so it has grown into an online network, a conference. Now there's books, um, but I've been blown away by what God has done. And truthfully, I feel like the best days of what God is going to do are still ahead of us. Wow. So I love that you shared because really you were both going from a place of working these jobs that were not necessarily connected to ministry right? because yeah, right. of that felt a sense of like some of what the world is saying doesn't sit right with me having conversations at what point were you actually letting go of those jobs like those kind of nine to five for this like what I, I don't know if I know that story like how did that look to step away um, from that summer well, I think for me, I have had so many different jobs in so many different industries. I mean, that's just been kind of my story. I started working at 15 years old and I love work. And so with She Works His Way, one of the things that we felt pretty passionate about is having the conversation with working women, defining working the right way, and then making sure that we understood that the opportunity to minister and to um, do the work of the Lord was not just outside of these secular places that God had brought us to. So we were in a secular workplace. And as we were having the conversation, 
I had this excitement that I was coming back to this workplace with. It wasn't pulling me away from my secular job. It was giving me a greater purpose in my secular job. So currently eight years later, yes, She Works His Way is what I do. But at the time I had an online business and I was also, I owned a fitness studio. And so both of those, I was just even more on fire about making sure that Jesus's name was lifted high in a way in these secular environments, Mm -hmm. in a way that was, um, I always called it like the Jesus ninja side of things, because I wanted people to come into the place of business and not be hit in the face with like worship music and Bible verses on the walls, but to come in and go, something's different here. Mm -hmm. And they did. They really did. But fast forward after... I don't know, was it three or four years of doing the beginning of She Works His Way? I did transition into just She Works His Way. But ironically, and Michelle can vouch for this, I had a very hard time going from a secular job to just a ministry job. I struggled really hard with feeling credible in what we were doing because I so badly wanted to make sure that we were still um, the right voice of She Works His Way women and not saying if you're a She Works His Way women, you need to leave the secular workplace because that is honestly, our work is the most underutilized mission field that there is. Mm -hmm. So if we all leave that to go do ministry, then we're leaving a large group of people that needs Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that's what ended up happening is the Lord has transitioned me out of the secular workplace currently, but I, I mean, I am still very much open to it. Like I'm staying here, but I'm still much, very much open to, I love to consult for secular Mm -hmm. companies, do team trainings, things like that. So the Lord has been good to keep our hands in that work while we're doing this work so that we can be a voice that represents the women in all the Mm -hmm. different industries and fields. So I think the high level mastermind that we do has been a game changer for us to get to stay connected to women that are in secular workplaces to be able to scratch the itch, if you will, of Mm -hmm. the the business side of our brains. Mm -hmm. And so we love getting to invest in the women who are out there in the secular workplace. Yes. So good. Well, I think what you shared there is really key in that, um, we can feel like sometimes we will be more effective if we are in a specific ministry, if only I can get out of this place. (laughs) And I will say there is a time and a place where God is calling you somewhere else, right? Like he is calling you to this. Um, But I often feel like it is the, there, there can be this tension of the, okay, God, you're, maybe you're calling me to this, but where am I right now? And I know there's a lot of moms who are listening who are home with their kids and feeling that like summer, I love that you said, I love work because for a lot of us, it's like, I do actually love work in these different areas, but I also feel frustrated that I'm, I'm stuck. I'm home with the kids and I can't go do the things. And I just love what you shared there. Cause it's so applicable wherever we are in whatever season this is powerful ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually got, you have this line um, and I'm going to, I'm going to find it. Oh, it is actually, it's like a, a title. It says the gospel is your job. Your mm-hmm. career is the side hustle. Mm-hmm. And so uh, does one of you guys want to just unpack that a little bit? Like, what does that look like? That came from one of my 
I had been studying that morning and I just got really curious about, I wish that I knew more about the apostle Paul's life as a tent maker. Mm -hmm. It would be so much easier. We know he was a tent maker, but we really don't know that much about it. And then basically I felt the Holy spirit be like, and that's the sermon. <laughs> and that's the sermon. You don't know much about it because it was a sidebar. He did not spend his energy toiling over how he was going to take over the competition or how he was going to take over the tent making industry. He did tent making to provide for him and the people that were on his missionary journeys. He was excellent at it because he always had adequate provision for his missionary journeys and he would not have continued to get hired if he wasn't good, but it was not how he defined himself. It was not how he defined his worth. It was not where he was finding his identity. He wanted to pursue the gospel and pursue ministry and tent making was an avenue that allowed him to do that and nothing more. Well, I love that. And, and I think what we can find sometimes is there are these um, big pendulum swings, right? Like I'm over here and then over here. And you have this line as well that you say, the opposite of selfish ambition is not spiritual laziness, but channeling your ambition for the kingdom, not for yourself. And I think that's part of it too, is even as one of the things I love to speak about is this idea of rest. And it's like, I'm not saying, Hey, like be lazy, sleep all day, <laughs> like, do nothing. But really that that is going to be out of that place of rest. You are going to be more productive. And so tell me a little bit more about like, what does um, surrendered effort look like Michelle or summer? Sur Surrendered effort is the way that we like to understand because we tend to think of surrender as stopping. And that's not what surrender means. Surrender means I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And I'm going to submit myself to him and his will rather than striving in my own strength and pushing through on my own. And so surrendered effort gets still but it doesn't stay still. It says, God, what do you want from me? And then in your strength and in your power and in your way and in your time, then I will put forth the effort to do what you have called me to do. But if you've ever lived in what we call like the striving cycle, where Summer gave the analogy one time of it's like being on a, in a hamster wheel on a tightrope. That's, wow. that's, that's, that's what it feels like when you're stuck in this cycle of, this all depends on me. And if I don't get it right, then the whole world is going to fall apart. And then I feel this intense pressure and it just creates pressure that we were never intended to bear. So how do you, how do you get off of the hamster wheel on the tightrope? Like, tell me how, how to get off of that. <laughs> that is such a good question. And I'm going to make everybody angry when I first give the answer, because one thing I do is I simplify things. I feel like that there's there's a underlying reason that we all have to have to do what it is that the Lord has called us to do. And it is understanding our true purpose and an understanding that our purpose every single day is to just become more like Jesus. All of the pressure, all of the striving, all of the ambition channeled in the wrong place, it all is so insignificant. Because in becoming more like Jesus, when that is the focus, then our eyes are on the right place. 
um, what is supposed to get done gets done. What matters most is at the front of your, your face. It's what you're seeing. It's what is the, like the bullseye that is ahead of you. The trajectory of life, when we're just becoming more like Jesus every day, in order to become like something, you have to look at it, you have to study it, you have to talk to it, you have to see it, you have to mimic it. So like our trajectory stays right, aiming towards God, aiming towards heaven, being the ultimate goal of everything. Well done, good and faithful servant, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we become what we're supposed to be. So like the simple answer is understand your purpose and work to complete your purpose day in and day out. What makes me more like Jesus and everything in our lives? Like God has put us in these special places surrounded by specific individuals in local churches, in jobs, in communities. He has us there with his purpose in mind. So all of those things are a part of making us more like him. They're not distracting us from him unless we let them. They're not, oh, if I can just get out of this and go over here, I'm going to be able to be so much more like Jesus. No, they're the very thing he put in your life to make you more like him. So in wanting to get off the tightrope and get out of the hamster wheel, Mm -hmm. you have to be willing to let God carry you. You have to be willing to let him guide every step. Galatians 5 talks about walking in the spirit. Mm -hmm. And it is something that is easy to say but hard to do. So I try to imagine myself absolutely walking in the spirit, like wrapping myself up like the big oversized trench coats that are really in style right now. Like that's the Holy Spirit. He's inside of me. He's over top of me. There's a hood over my head. Like Mm -hmm. I'm fully wrapped up. And then I am stepping as he directs and guides me. If you need a visual, when you wake up in the morning, wrap yourself in the Holy Spirit. Mm. And you're going to be more likely to walk in and step with him. Yeah. Well, I also feel like I imagine that trench coat mm-hmm. as um, all of the people and the, the places and everyone that God has put in my life start to bump up against me. <laughs> yeah. And right, like I've, I have found motherhood to be this refining, um, like you want to become like Jesus, we'll just like... <laughs> Somebody to push your buttons all day long. And yesterday I took my five-year-old um, to Costco and like Costco any time of the year is stressful. And just like, you want to work on patience, like just go to Costco. Mm-hmm. But Christmas, like, so we found a parking spot and we're walking towards the door. And um, then there was a pretty intense altercation between two drivers. Somebody had stolen someone's spot and there was a lot of words. And my daughter was like, mom like he said things that were not nice and like why did he I just said I was like we I said we all need to work on our patience like it's it and I said it wasn't right what I don't know who was in the wrong but like I just said this is this moment where so I've often gone in gone into Costco with the like okay god like this is a moment to like how do we actually wear this trench coat but it's also like okay you're it doesn't mean it's going to be light and fluffy and easy, but in the workplace, in the, with that annoying coworker or the Debbie Downer one, or the person who's like intent on making your life miserable, like that person, what does it look like to be leading with the Holy Spirit there? Um, So I love that, Mm -hmm. but I want to ask either of you guys the question, when we are, um, we're wanting to 
be in our lives and work like Jesus. Um, but there are so many cultural lies, right? So there are these things. So how do you be in the world? How do you consume a marketing podcast and um, you're out in this mastermind or whatever it might be, you're on Instagram. How do you filter those? Like, how do you identify the truth from the lies? I think we always say, you know, we personally, we would love it if we could make the world more quiet. Mm. If, if we could quiet the world, I promise you, we would do it. But the world is not quiet. And so it has to be an intentional choice of every day. What voice am I elevating? It's not necessarily what voices am I exposed to or what voices do I listen to? We don't always have the option to just hop into this Christian bubble, right? Mm -hmm. And so what voice are you elevating? What voice are you following? What voice are you saying? I will listen and I will trust regardless of whether I understand. I will follow anyway. I will agree anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, My pastor always says when God and I disagree, he's right. I'm wrong. And by the grace of God, I can change. Yeah. And so it's really just letting God have that place in your life. Yeah. So good. Well, Summer, you have this line where you said, um, hold on. I did write it down and it's so good. Um, you said, Uh, when you were trying to make a decision and it's in the obedience over success chapter, you said, we were all trying to negotiate with God and like, whether it is the, the tiny moment Mm -hmm. at Costco where it's like, well, I'm justified. I was waiting Mm -hmm. here longest, Mm -hmm. right? Like I deserve that, whatever that kind of thing is, or the big thing that he's calling us to, Mm -hmm. um, It really is like, would you say your obedience to God has been like a muscle that you've had to grow? Like how, because I think this is a challenge that we all have and it, it actually doesn't go away. No, right. Like the, (laughs) yeah. How have you learned to grow that muscle? Yeah. This is something I pray for my kids all the Mm -hmm. time. So I see this beautiful cycle of God being faithful and my trust growing in him Mm. and obedience getting easier. Mm. And a lot of people are afraid to say that obedience to God gets easier. But if you think about it, the more you trust him, the easier it is to obey him. Because at some point, even if the obedience action is hard, Mm. it's the knowledge that we have, the wisdom that he's given us to go, okay, but if I don't do this, like, I don't even want to see what's going to happen. I don't even want to be a part of disobedience. So I have prayed over my kids, like, God, be faithful, like show them your faithfulness in a really personal way that they cannot deny, like in a way that just was like, oh my goodness, like that is my own personal encounter with God. That happened to me in my head driving or while I sleep or in my quiet time or whatever it is. And I think that's for all of us. Like when we get to see God's faithfulness, when we experience God's faithfulness, then we're going to trust him more. And then obedience becomes a little bit easier, but here's the key to it. When God is faithful and when he shows up and he does something, whether you like it or you don't like it, when he shows up and answers any prayer and does anything, 
we've got to remember it. We've got to acknowledge it. We should, as human beings, write it down. We should look at it. When things get really hard, we should be able to go back. Our journals shouldn't be full of just prayer requests. They should be full of prayer requests and praise reports, right? Mm -hmm. So in the moments where obedience is hard, you just look back at where he's been faithful and go, oh, like, I don't want to do this on my own. Like, I don't even want to see what kind of mess I would make of myself. Mm -hmm. And then it just becomes a little bit easier. So good. Uh, Michelle, would you add anything to that? Uh, Amen. Okay. Uh, Well, I love that. I feel like I have some key moments where I felt like God was asking me to do something out of the box. Like just like I'm having lunch with someone. We're going shopping afterwards, this store. And I don't think I've ever shared this story, but, um, and God, we're going to a specific store and God is like, buy, buy her those pants. Like, and I'm like, we don't have a lot of money. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to explain this to my husband and um, to go to the store. And like the whole time, like the nudge is getting stronger. Cause sometimes people are, we get very hung up on, is this God? I don't know. And I find there are times where you can, you can just, you can silence that voice, right? Like you yeah. can just be like, I, I'm totally. sorry. I don't think I really heard. Like I'm, it probably wasn't you. Well, um, and she bought the pants and we left and it was like, oh, that's fine. Why would, that's such a strange thing. Why would he ask me a strange thing? That was probably two years ago. And every time it comes to mind, I have this pang that is like, um, what I've realized is I missed an opportunity. I missed an invitation. Mm-hmm. It might've, there may not have been anything like naturally that I would have seen as like some fruit that comes back or something like that. But God was inviting me to something. And I shared with my husband later on. And he was like, I, he basically said, he's like, I will never not like honor and respect you obeying God. Like basically like, Mm -hmm. just do it Um, because we have all these excuses, right? Like all of these reasons. And so for me, that pang is a physical reminder of my desire for obedience. Cause when that comes, I'm like, I don't want, I do not want to feel that pain. You know what I mean? I love that. Yeah. That's a great example. Yeah. I mean, it's still, it still actually feels like I I wish, cause I also want to, I want to share the good stories, right? Like I've got the stories of obedience. Let me show you this, like the ones where you're like, no, that was blatant. Um, so, um, so I'd love that you share about that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, um, you've said you love work. Work is great. You guys in no way are saying, Hey, don't, don't work at all. Like you're, you're pro work. What about the woman who's like, I am close to burnout or I am a workaholic, but I'm doing it for God. Like pick that apart a little bit. Oh, come in a little closer friend. Let me give you a hug. Because I get you, that is my natural bend too. Mm-hmm. And I believe I have learned the same lesson so many different ways. And overwork was definitely the one that I feel like God used to break me mm-hmm. because it was the easiest thing for me to nobleize, especially when you 
are doing ministry. You're like, oh, and so you can spin and manipulate it any way you want to so well. But the truth is work is not merely what we are paid to do. There is a lot of things in your life that require your effort and your energy that do not give you a paycheck. And so when we are throwing ourselves into our career so much, the, the two areas that I feel like take the hit in the most obvious ways when overwork takes over your life are your relationships and your job and your role and your part in the local church. Hmm. And if we are too busy to serve, and if we are too busy for people, then we are too busy for the things that matter most. Hmm. And that's one of those situations where we recognize that we're busy doing a lot of things, but it's probably made us become, become spiritually lazy. And so look at the scope of your life, redefine work instead of defining work merely as the job that you do that you get compensated for recognize that work is anything that you do for the glory of God for him to use for him and for the good of others and if you define work that way and you see it as so much bigger than merely the nine to five or the paycheck then you recognize the areas of your life that require your energy and your endurance and it makes it easier for you to recognize where you are missing the mark Mm. in things that require your effort and things that require you to be able to show up with intentionality. Because um, I think it's Carrie Newhoff who said that overwork is the most rewarded addiction in our society today. So true. I've seen him say that. It's very rewarded. And, but who is, who's giving the reward? Yeah. And I think that's what you have to recognize is I'm getting this award, but is this a person that, that, that really matters? Is this a person who's really close to me and what reward am I seeking? And if it's a temporary world and a temporary award that the world gives, then it's a counterfeit of what God has already offered you. And so putting it into that perspective, it, it is a hard addiction to break. Well, and I, I love that you shared, you said, um, talked about it being noble, mm-hmm. right? The, the ministry stuff that it's, it is very noble. Um, and you also defined work as not necessarily getting a paycheck because I have been thinking about how moms are not getting a paycheck, right? but also can succumb to the same workaholism, like the same pressure, the same um, inability to stop, to rest, to feel like it's all on us and we have to go, go, go and get into that place of striving. And um, one of the things that I feel really passionate about is helping moms put that to-do list aside that never ends, mm-hmm. um, be able to rest and stop. And again, not simply to be like, well, I'm, I'm getting my nails done and I'm having like, you know, and not that any of those things are bad, but to actually rest with God. And often we have this to-do list. I know for years I would be like, well, I've got two hours of kid free time. I'm just going to do these returns at the store and then I'm going to do this. And then 
And then I'm going to go to the coffee shop with my journal and Bible, but I would never get there. Cause I would just keep going and doing these things. And I remember enough times again, having a pang of regret where I was like, I squandered that kid free time. And so a few things had to happen where I had to say, A, be wiser with your actual time when you um, don't make those purchases that are going to be returns and errands. Like don't create errands for yourself. Um, But also I can do those things with my kids as painful as that is. What I can't do when I have kid-free time is go for a walk and just pray or just be right. Like kind of those things where it's like, what does it look like to flip the script? on rest and that that is productive mm-hmm. and all of these things. Um, so I think what you're saying really applies to anybody who is listening and the, the workaholism being um, valued, busyness as a badge, um, all of those things. And when I share, I, I sometimes feel like if I share a post where I'm like, I like we did nothing all day or whatever it might be. Sometimes I'm like, you can almost feel that like, like I've had people in my life who have said like, well, what did you do today? Like on a Saturday is usually our Sabbath. It's like, oh, we read books and we did that. Like, and I've almost felt those stares of like judgment or something, right? Where I'm like, oh, okay, but this is, you know, we're going to be a little countercultural. So I would love to know from both of you, how do you seek rest? in your lives? How do you either Sabbath or have daily or weekly connection time with God? Cause you're both very busy women. So how do you do that in your lives? Um, I believe that rest is easier when our idols are identified and crushed. Mm. I think what keeps us from rest is the idolization of things that aren't God. So what we end up doing is putting ourselves, our needs, our paychecks, um, and our our kids, hear me when I say this, our kids and our spouse are the things that are supposed to mean the most to us. And absolutely, but still Jesus is first, mm-hmm. still they are second to him. So we can actually go back to the noblizing of things. We can noblize anything. And usually what happens is when we noblize something, we've idolized something. And so whatever we're putting up there on the platform of this is the most important thing, it's preventing us from being able to be who we're supposed to be in the spirit and doing what God has asked us to do. So if God is first, if he is the only thing that matters, rest is easy because we understand that rest is productive and rest prepares us for his work. When the work is the most important thing, nothing prepares us better for work when it's the most important thing than more work, right? Like we're going to answer to everybody. We're going to show up. We're going to do what we're supposed to do. We're going to do the list. And I would argue what you said, um, the judgment that I totally have been there. You'll say, I didn't do anything today. And people are like, you get those eyes. Rarely is that judgment. That's jealousy. If I may be so bold, I truly believe that because I think people desire rest. People want rest. Workaholics want rest. Everybody knows that it's what's important. They just are afraid to give up what they're doing in order to get rest because they haven't been shown that the rest is more valuable than the work. And that's an idle problem. So with God first, this thing becomes easier. Oh, that is so good. And you, I loved it. She comes right out of the gate and she's like, we're just going to crush those idols. 
Um, and Michelle, you shared something. I don't know if it's in the book or if it is uh, where I listened to you on another podcast, but you talked about replacing idols, not reducing them. Can you unpack that? was what I was thinking about the whole time she was talking because that is like my, that is my story of, I would always try to make whatever idol I had, I I would realize the idol. And then I would try to make it less important instead of replacing that idol with Jesus. And until Jesus was in his proper place, I was just an idol factory, switching them out, Mm -hmm. switching out those idols. And until Jesus became that object of my affection, that thing that I desired. There was nothing else that I could do that would reduce the other idols and not make another one come back in its place. And so if you find yourself to where you're like me, to where like, man, has God not taught me this lesson yet? No, he Mm -hmm. hasn't. If he's still not first and there's still other things that you're trying to make happen, because I went from an like obsession over academic and grades to an obsession over my appearance and an eating disorder to an obsession over work and what I could produce. Mm -hmm. And all of that was just an idol factory of my life until Jesus had his proper place. Another idol was going to pop up and take my affections. And by taking my affections was going to take my, my affections. Like I I was not going to be able to, to have anything else be in my mind, but when Jesus comes in and he takes his rightful place as his primary place in your life, then nothing else can even come close to competing Mm -hmm. because you recognize once he captures your heart that nothing else is worthy of it. Amen. So I want to just pause there because I feel like someone is listening and it's like, okay, that's me for whatever the idol might be that's popped up. It sounds great what you're saying, crush the idols, replace the idols. How do I do that practically? Because um, I want to have Jesus replace them, but but I, I don't know how. Like, can you just give me something I can do today? Like, my guess it has something to do with surrender, but like, tell me what do I need to do? Because I'm actually exhausted and I don't, I don't want to keep living this way. Help me. <laughs> what would you say to that person? <laughs> Practice, 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 practice. So this is what we tell in, um, in scripture. We, there's a, where's it at Michelle? Is it Matthew? The, I believe help my unbelief. Uh, Mark. Um, Mark. Okay. I believe help my unbelief. So what that tells me is that I want so bad to believe. I want so bad to get this. I want so bad to crush my idols. But sometimes before we actually get to the place, we have to practice the thing. And typically what the practice looks like is a practice of God's presence, practicing him being the most important thing in your life. And then he actually becomes the most important thing in your life. Practicing surrender until you actually learn how to surrender until it's the thing that you do. So often in the Christian faith, because God is a miraculous God and he can, he can flip a switch in us. He can heal us. He can fix things immediately. He can make us do things immediately, but that's not always the way he chooses to work in our lives. Sanctification is usually a longer process, which means sanctification is a practice that becomes something that ends up making us more like Jesus. We're back to the purpose thing, right? So 
when we know that there's something that we need to do when God is asking of us to do something and we're like, I don't even know how to do this thing. Like, how do I, like, you just start practicing, even not even the doing of it, the mental place of, of being open to it, the heart posture of this is happening. So, um, God being the most important thing, Jesus taking his right places, Michelle, I love it when she tells that whole story. I love that the way she explains that. So Jesus taking his rightful place in your life, right? Understanding that that can be a complicated thing that's going to take a journey to get there. That's a part of your sanctification story. Mm -hmm. So how do you start right now? You go ahead and posture yourself in a place where your heart wants him. Like mm -hmm. your desire is for him to be the most important thing in your life. And when you practice that, he will be faithful to make that practice a reality in your life mm -hmm. because you're not the only one that wants him to be first. He wants to be first. And we forget that. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. he wants that. That's, that was his entire plan for us. So when you practice it and that is your desire, he will put himself there. So good. So it, it's Mark 9, 24. And I love that Thank Summer you. shared that because honestly, you could take that believe and unbelief and you could replace that with any word that you want of Jesus, I surrender, help my control freakness. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like you can yeah. like personalize that to whatever you need it to be. That is such a great template for us to be able to use when we are practicing things that we want him to change in our lives. Yeah. So good. I used to say that I would, um, I would participate in Christian worry, which was like, I'm praying. So I'm like, God, can you help this thing? And so my hands are open. But then I would take it back again with my worry and with my control. And I love all that you were both talking about with practicing and heart posture. And I often for me, when I can physically do something, it really helps the rest of me kind of follow. So it is opening my hands, getting on my knees. And there was some time last week where I was like, it was the morning and I was like, Hey, I'm going to like, just get on my knees and like pray. And it was, I was probably there for four seconds before I was like, well, nothing's really like, it was just like such a quick <laughs> moment. And I was like, okay. And I have felt the, um, something in this season that's been a little more like, okay, let's get some time. Is that like just this, like so many extra things. And so I'm like, okay, we just, I need a little more time to be and as I was there I was reminded uh, like I just felt everything in me begin to relax and and that kind of surrender and submission from being in the physical posture and I was reminded again of how often despite what I know this is why I, daily I need Jesus um, mm -hmm. despite what I know I was like I keep going for fast food Jesus. Like I keep wanting mm. the two seconds of like, well, we should be good now. Like I should be, it's like, <laughs> no, like, <laughs> like, and so it was even in that, okay, God, like settle my heart. And so going back to the original question, really where, um, what does that look like? Um, it's probably going to look a little bit different for each one of us as the way God has uniquely made us. But what does it look like to really be 
with him and to say like, you know what, I, to actually change takes time. It takes work. It's not this instant thing. And the working for rest, working for like all of those things, the transformation, um, it, it will take time. So do not be discouraged if it feels like, well, I want to be working for, I, I don't want to strive anymore. I don't want to, all of those things. Like, that's okay. We're not in a race to suddenly be, um, right. you know, have all of this stuff figured out. Um, but that process of sanctification that he will lead us on as we continue to meet with him, open our hands, spend that yes. time. Yes. Um, we are going to wrap up. I loved um, chatting with you. Is there anything either of you would share just as a, as a close, any final thoughts you've been brewing on? I, I think that you just mentioned, and I love that, that you got down on your knees and you felt your body just relax and you felt yourself just kind of like, I want so badly for women to know that we can be super productive and super effective and super relaxed. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be so tense. Yeah. And she works his way. We always say what we want here is the message that is shared. Like we see when women get it because there's a physical reaction to it. And mm -hmm. it's this like drop in the shoulders. It's this oh my goodness, I can rest in this. I can trust in this. My mind shift can be different than what the world has told me it has mm -hmm. to be. And everything is going to be better than okay. Everything's going to be exactly as God wants it. So I loved what you said there. I think that we need to hit on that and encourage each other in that way more often of reminding each other that we can be everything we're supposed to be on this earth in our purpose in our work, in our families, and still have this very relaxed, peaceful posture. And I would argue that's probably what a believer who fully trusts in God looks like. Yeah. So good. So good. Well, if people are wanting to connect with you, I know they can go to Amazon and get your book. They can mm -hmm. find you on Instagram, but where can they, if they want to actually work with you in your community, mm -hmm. where would they find you? So if you go to sheworkshisway.com, you will see a button that just says join in the top right corner. And that will connect you to the She Works His Way network where you get to like, we don't use the word community because it's a buzzword. We use the word discipleship community for working women because that is truly what we desire to be. We desire to be women who know each other, who pray for each other, who straighten each other's shoulders, aim them back at Jesus. And it's not just us that you get to meet there. The women that God has gathered inside this community, we are blessed and honored and humbled every single day that we get to be one of them. And so if we, we found that largely there's a, a lot of women that feel that Christ and culture tension, they really feel like they don't have a place where they belong. Yeah. And so if you feel like you've spent a lot of your life feeling misunderstood, or you just, you know, that right now you're like, I, I would need a place where I could drop my shoulders, yeah. then mm -hmm. we would love to be that community for you. So good. Well, I think as we have entered this new year, um, that would be such a great way to, to really start this new year working um, in a way that is a place of rest 
and not that frantic hustle. Um, their book again is She Works His Way, A Practical Guide for Doing What Matters Most in a Get Things Done World. Um, Michelle and Summer are both as well on Instagram. Don't look up Summer by um, her code name, Sophie. That is not, <laughs> that was an inside joke. Um, but ladies, what, they can actually look up, She Works His Way has an Instagram account. Um, and it's just your first names, it's Michelle Myers, Summer Phoebus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. That's it. Ladies, thank you for joining me. And I trust this has helped you move one step closer to thriving. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe, but I am going to ask if while you were listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something, but when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.